Who's hungry? Anyone hungry? My mum used to, she still says, Ian, you're always hungry. She's right. I could eat right now. I could eat anything right now, pretty much. There's one thing I wouldn't eat, though. It doesn't matter if I'm hungry or not. It's a cucumber. Nah, I don't like it. I just never have. I don't like it. Like, if it's been in the same container as something else, I won't eat that something else because it smells like cucumber. Or, you know, I don't, it's just me. You can pray for me later. I don't care. Are you? Are you? A, don't you like cucumber either? We are very rare individuals. Oh, I don't feel as bad because I like you, Rose. That's good. I um. I was just thinking about this uh, idea of being hungry and eating, because um, I'm always feeling like eating. But um, it says in Psalm 34, verse 8, um, I can't remember it. What is it again? You guys would know, wouldn't you? Psalm 34, verse 8. No, 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 don't look it up. Just yeah, You'd know. Let me help you out. I'll start with the first word. Taste. Yeah, see? See? All I have to do is give you... One little bit, and you go for it. Here, this church here in, in um, Acts, we're still in Acts 13, right? And we're still in Antioch in Pisidia. Pisidian Antioch. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. But they're in, um, they're in a synagogue, and Paul and his mate, Barnabas, and they're going, and they preach the gospel. Last week we looked at that. They preach the gospel, and they focus primarily on the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive. Isn't that awesome? Good news. He's alive. And um, we find out at the end of that that so many people wanted to know more about it. And they said to him, uh, can, we, can we find out more next week? Next week. They wanted to wait seven days till the next Sabbath to hear them speak more about this Jesus. They just gave them the first word. And... People were hungry for more. I want to draw your attention to the very first um, verse of what uh, was read for us earlier from Kirsten. Thank you. Verse 44. And it says these people, they came. They came on the Sabbath, right? In verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. It was just, just one synagogue meeting the week before and people were hungry. They were hungry for the word. There was something special and the Holy Spirit was moving. It was moving through Paul and Barnabas, but he was also moving through his word. And, and wherever Jesus is glorified, the Holy Spirit will always go, Ooh, I'll, I'll pour out myself on that. He'll always do that. Wherever, the whole, wherever Jesus is glorified, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, 16, and he said that um, he, he testifies about me. The Holy Spirit will always um, testify about Jesus and lead us in truth and guide us into all truth. And so whenever, wherever, whenever Jesus spoke, he always spoke highly of the Father and the Spirit. 
And whenever the Father spoke, we often see in the, in the, in the New Testament, like at Jesus' baptism or on the mountain of transfiguration, whenever we heard a voice of God in heaven, he always spoke highly of the Son. And, uh, and each, each part, each person, sorry, each person of the Godhead, one God, three persons, is glorifying each other. They're always pointing and trying to, and glorifying, magnifying the other. And so if Jesus is being preached, the Holy Spirit is always going to go, that's really good message. I'm going to be in, in that situation. And so the people hear the message and they want more. And so they turn up. But it turns out that not just they turn up, but almost the whole town gather to hear the word of the Lord. I think it's great. What do they gather to hear? The latest songs? Do they gather to hear what the preacher learned? Do they gather to see what new lights are in the building? Do they gather to, they gather to hear the word of the Lord? I think it's really interesting because the, here's some people and they're really hungry. They're hungry for more of the word of the Lord. It was the word of the Lord they gathered for, they hungered for. It doesn't say, it, it could have said, they gathered to be with the other believers. It could have said that. They gathered to worship God. It could have said that. But it says they gathered to hear the word of the Lord. There was such a hunger for the word of the Lord. And as I said before, Psalm 34 verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I'd like to point out it doesn't say taste and see that cucumber is good because it would be a lie, and it couldn't have a lie in the Bible. But God is good. The Lord is good. He is always good. It doesn't say, taste and see that the Lord answers your prayers the way you want them. It doesn't say, it doesn't, does it? And, it, and it's interesting because um, how often is God good? It hasn't stopped being good. We actually, the word good comes from the word God, I've been told. We get our word good from God. I don't know about that, but he's always good. And so it's like, um, if you've never tasted him before, if you've never experienced God before, how would you know if he was good? Your neighbours, your neighbours get to see a little bit of God's goodness because he's poured it out into you and you're able to pour it out into them. But we, fall, we all fall short of God's goodness, but he is good. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so taste is, is um, what you do. I can't taste your food for you. I can't because I don't have your taste buds. <laughs> Some people were going too far with that, probably, Jono. It's like, he's like, maybe when you're older, Jono will chew your food for you, then give it to you. But um, no. But I can't taste for you and you can't taste for me. We, you all, we all have the responsibility and privilege um, to taste ourselves. 
So you heard the gospel sometime in your life, could have been a family member, you could have been brought up with it, you know, and you've just you've you've heard the gospel message and you've experienced that God is good. You've seen that God is good because you've tasted. You've you thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try that gospel message. I'm gonna apply it to my life. Because I've got a lot of guilt in my heart and my life's not working out and and I'm not I'm a bit afraid about what's gonna happen when I die. So I'm gonna try that gospel message. I'm gonna try the forgiveness of sin only found in Jesus. And when you try that, you find that it's good. You find that it's really good. And you see it, you see that God is good. Taste and see. Taste is your experience. And seeing is your perception. And it says, it continues on in, in Psalm 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. So you taste, you find out that he's good, and then you find out that you fear him. In other words, you honor him, you, you live your life in alignment with his design and plans, you actually find that you lack nothing. You lack nothing. You're satisfied. You've got satisfaction. I love being satisfied. Eating some good food, a bit of protein satisfies you. Gluten-free stuff doesn't satisfy you. It leaves you empty. <laughs> it does. And not itchy and not sick, but it leaves you empty. Protein satisfies fearing the lord honoring him and tasting and seeing that he's good it actually is is satisfying to your soul you can be hungry physically but be satisfied and content spiritually you can be satisfied and content physically but be hungry and discontented spiritually. Psalm 34 verse 10 says, the lions may grow weak and hungry. That's the strongest animal you could think of, I guess, in those days. And they're pretty strong animals, but they grow weak and they get hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. On that Sabbath day, when the whole, almost this whole city gathered, they came to hear the word of the Lord. And it was like the disciples, the apostles, or whatever, Paul and Barnabas, it was like they um, put on a catering service for them. They, they, got, they got the gospel and they put it on their plates. It might have looked like, I don't know, what's your favorite meal? Mine's roast beef and roast veggies, Yorkshire pudding. And you put it on a plate and, and pass it around to everyone. Gets, everyone gets a serving. Here's, here's a serving of the gospel. Here's a serving of your roast meal. right? And it's your job to eat it. It's, it's up to you to eat it or not. So this is what Paul and Barnabas do. There's this open door. There's a crowd of people and they're probably not in the synagogue anymore because no one's going to fit in a synagogue if it's almost the whole town. But what they do is they share the gospel more. And the, we find that the leadership of the Jewish leadership don't like this. In verse 45, it says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. 
they began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. They were, they were upset. Angry jealousy from Jewish leaders. Why, I wonder, why? Maybe because they were all about religiosity. While Paul and Barnabas were all about preaching grace. You know, the devil will always try to persuade you that your rightness with God is based upon your effort towards God. The devil will always try and do that. He did that at the very beginning. Um, he'll try and make you feel guilty. Uh, and, and, and that's okay because sin and guilt should be there. You should feel guilty. But it's, it's what do you do with that? And, and back, in, back in the Garden of Eden, what did Adam and Eve do? They pulled some fig leaves off. <laughs> and they covered up. And <laughs> Hopefully there were some big leaves. But that's just silly, isn't it? But that's what religiosity is like. Religiosity is like, I can, I can fix my problem myself. I don't, I don't need God's grace. I can, I can make it okay myself. If I, just, if I gather together with other people that believe the same thing as me and we, we point the same way and pray and, and, and do certain things and have a ritual and that sort of thing and helps us feel good about ourselves because we do it all together. Um, if we make some sacrifices here and there and have different sort of meals and stuff and, and um, you know, that, that'll help me feel better about my sin. It doesn't. It never works. But that's the devil's tactic. He'll always try and get you to do something to deal with the guilt. He'll always try and persuade you that your rightness with God is based upon your effort. Grace says otherwise, doesn't it? Grace is amazing. It's amazing, grace. Grace says, in fact, it says the exact opposite. It says, the Satan says effort, and grace says, believe it. God's grace is like a million dollars in your bank account. And um, imagine that you had a million dollars in your bank account. I, just, I put it there, actually, before you came to church tonight. I had that much money. Now, you can just leave it there. Or you can withdraw from that balance of a million dollars. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died a death to pay for sin once and for all. So basically what, what God has done through Jesus is he's actually paid the price for your sin and my sin, but not just for your sin and my sin. He's paid the price for the entire world's sin. It's just when we believe that he has, we actually withdraw from that account. It's credited to us because we believe. You and I didn't do it. We didn't put the money there. We didn't put the righteousness there. It's been credited to us. The righteousness has been credited to us because we believe. Ephesians 1 verse 7 tells us that God has riches of grace. The riches of his grace. He's got so much grace. 
And Romans 6 verse 10 says, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. 1 John 2 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Whole world. If only they knew it. I think I've shared a story once before about a guy in Newcastle, and I shared the gospel with him, and he had tattoos, and he was part of a gang, and pretty tough guy. And he swore at me. He said, is this what you, is this what you believe? And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, well, why, why, why hasn't anyone ever told me this before? And he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus that night, which I think is wonderful. So many people are out there and actually don't realize. Like no one actually has a plan today that I know of. You know what? I think we'll get the kids together. We'll get them to brush their teeth put on some nice clothes, and let's go to church. Let's see what church is like. No, one, no one's got that desire in their hearts, unless they're believers already. But no one's got that desire in their hearts to do that. Maybe there's a one-off. They're just you know, walking by and you know, God works in, in amazing ways. But no one's got that plan to do that. But they do see how you don't react in terrible situations. They do see how kind you are when you're driving or when you're teaching or when you're on the phone or when you're looking after your parents, they watch you and they go, I want what they've got. Like they won't, they won't want your church. They won't want be a part of your church. They just want to, they want what you've got in you. And the world needs to know that their sins are forgiven if they believe. But the Jews, they got jealous. I don't know if it was a crowd thing. I, I don't know if they were, you know, they're going to lose all their all their numbers at church the next Sabbath or something because everyone was following Paul and Barnabas. I don't know if it was that or not. But they got upset, really upset, and they got emotional, physical, um, violent, verbally. And Paul and Barnabas answered them in verse forty-six. They said, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas shared the word of God with them. They said, here's your roast, roast beef meal. Here it is. This, is. this is what Jesus has done for you on the cross. This is what it means. This is your Messiah. Here, here it is. Here's the message. And it's up to you to eat it or not. No one's going to force feed you. This is it. This is the gospel. And they rejected it. And Paul says these words. He says, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. It makes, makes sense to me that what he's saying there is that everyone has a choice about where they spend eternity. But it's, I think it's our responsibility, my responsibility, privilege, honour, um, the divine responsibility to share with them an option an option that they don't know about. Here is an option. You, you don't want the beef, you don't want the roast beef, here's an option. Here's, you know, there's so many things out there, there's so many different beliefs out there people believe about going to heaven. If I'm a good person, I'll get to heaven. My nana went to Anglican church Therefore, I'll be 
going to heaven too. You know, like there's so many different ideas out there. And, and, and you and I have the privilege and honor and responsibility to share with them the idea of Jesus. And, and it's up to them to choose. But if they don't hear, how are they going to choose? But these guys heard. They heard this wonderful message, the, the gospel, the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins that are in Jesus, and they rejected it. They said, I don't want that dinner. I don't want to eat that, what, you, what you're giving me. And so Paul says to them, we turn, we turn from you and we go to the Gentiles. Paul's saying here, I'm, I'm repenting. Like this idea of repenting is to turn from going one way and then go the other way. And Paul's saying to them, you know what? You guys don't want this. That's all right. I'll give it to someone else. This reminds me of a story. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of my childhood. If, if I didn't eat my dinner, guess who got it? Correct. <laughs> if you've got your Bible, turn with me to um, Mark chapter 7. And we're going to read about a dog. No offense. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. Oh, sorry, verse 24. <laughs> just give you a verse. He just randomly starts reading something. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre, Sidon, that area, um, the unclean area. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit, came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She was so not Jewish, right? She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Jesus says, first let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. You know, the children is the Israelite nation. And, and then the dogs are the non-Israelites. By the way, you and, you and me, we're dogs, I guess. I don't think any Israelites here. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, he says basically to her, this is, you know, first let them hear it. And um, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And she says, I'm a dog. By saying, yes, Lord. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Here's a Gentile woman taking whatever she can from God. She's so hungry for a breakthrough in her life. She's so hungry. And Jesus basically says, well, I don't really have any food for you. And she goes, you've got to have something because I've seen your followers. I've seen the other believe the, the Jews. They don't actually take all of your stuff. They let it fall to the ground. I'll have whatever they don't want. And so... And so what we see here is Paul and Barnabas preaching a message to these people in a synagogue that are predominantly Jewish, but um, also some non-Jews that believe. But then that message then starts spreading into the whole town, which is probably minority of them were, sorry, majority of them were non-Jewish. Galatia, that area. Gauls, that's why it's called Galatia, because the Gauls invaded. So like probably like redheads, maybe with kilts, I don't know. Well, that's the Celts. French, of course, weren't they? Anyway, 
that aside, these people were non-Jewish and they want whatever, whatever word there is, they want it, they're hungry for it and they'll take the scraps. And we find too that what happens is they take the scraps um, and they're joyful. Um, but Paul and Barnabas turn their backs on the Jews and they say, this is what the Lord's called us to do. Verse 47, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's, um, that's a quote from Isaiah 49 and it's about Jesus basically because it's singular. I have made you is singular, a light for the Gentiles. It's talking about the nation of Israel, but predominantly Jesus as well. I'll read it to you. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he, held, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hands and my reward is with my God. He goes on. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength, he says. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may, may reach to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, guess how they responded? They were glad. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed are those who, whose refuge is in him. Blessed means joyful. They found their refuge in God. They found their refuge in God. Peace in the storm. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And then the word of the Lord spread from there. From verse 48, it goes on. 49, sorry. It goes on. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region of, of Galatia, that area. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Now, I've titled the, the message tonight, DUI Make DUI. All right. And it's disciples under the influence make disciples under the influence. Um, disciples that are not under the influence make disciples that are not under the influence. And disciples under the influence make disciples that are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that is. Um, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Like, you know what an apple tree is because it grows apples? Or you know, a pear tree because it grows pears. And so, you know, it's not about how much fruit. It just, you know, you, you know what it is by what it produces. And so... Um, these disciples are under the influence of the Holy Spirit on this mission trip, and they're actually producing disciples. Do you notice here um, that these disciples uh, get persecuted by Jewish leaders and God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city? I know it's long, nearly, but I want you to just look at those words in verse 50. 
there's two, two groups of people there. Once again, it's the religious people and the political people. There's religious women, God-fearing women of high standing. So they're leaders and they're, they're, they're God-fearing. So they're um, Greek, Jewish, high-standing women, influential, good at getting the crowd going, good at spreading rumors, good at spreading gossip, good at controlling the situation. Also, leading men of the city. So this is a non-Jewish leadership capacity in the city, like a civic authority. The other day we went shopping. Tears actually, I think you came too. We went shopping and I went to the toilet while they went shopping. And as I was, I had to go through a particular area to get to the toilet and I saw from a distance some people out the front of this Woolworth shop selling something. They all had blue shirts on and I was selling, there was a group of them. And I thought, oh, I wonder what they're doing. I had to go that way, so I continued walking. And as I got closer, I realized they weren't selling anything. It was um, a local MP, and he was, um, what's the word? Canvassing boats. Canvassing boats. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to come up with a different word, but yeah, canvassing boats. Nice guy. And um, so, But as I got closer, because I realized that, oh, they had the shirts on, and I recognized his face. But as I got closer, I saw that they had a stand there with some literature on it and stuff. And I thought, oh, wow, I wonder what they've got there. And as I got closer to that, I realized there were people standing around that that didn't have blue shirts on. And they, were sell they weren't selling the literature, they were giving it away. They were Jehovah's Witnesses. They'd set up camp like about three meters away from the political camp. And I couldn't help but think that how hilarious it was as I walked through. And I think with my mouth and it gets me in trouble a lot. But I said to the guy, I said to the, I wasn't going to talk to the, the, the um, Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I spoke to the MP. I said, oh, careful, mate. And he said, why? What's up? I said, well, religion and politics are getting a bit close, don't you think? And he thought that was funny. And he said, oh, but don't worry. I draw a big line between the two. And I thought maybe he was canvassing my vote. But um, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good system. Um, part of me sort of goes, it's not a good system. But politics is politics. And religion is religion. Following Jesus is neither of those. Following Jesus is about relationship and obedience to him. It's a kingdom. It's a different kingdom altogether. Kingdom of God. And um, every time you and I promote the kingdom of God, those two areas get upset. The, those two, the civic authorities get upset or you can't you can't share the gospel you might offend somebody you can't you can't say what the bible says here because that could offend somebody this person identifies this way you can't tell them that that's what god says about that you might offend somebody and the religion the religious people go well oh, i don't want you know i just i don't think we should be going out on the streets to share the gospel with people you know let them come to us you know, don't 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 talk to your mate at work or over the fence. Don't you know? Don't take five minutes of your day to share them, share with them about the grace of God. They should come to us. They deserve to come to us. If they were good people, they'd know where to go. So they got upset. These people got upset, and they persecuted them. 
and uh, Paul and Barnabas. They expelled them. They kicked them out of the region. So what does Paul, what did Paul and Barnabas do? Do they kick up a stink? Do they get out their swords and start fighting back? Do they go to court and say, this isn't fair, let's take them to court? What do they do? What does your Bible say they do in first 50, 51? They just shook the dust off their feet. They just went, you know what? I've shared with you the meal. <laughs> if you don't want to eat it, it's up to you. My mum used to say things like, get what you get and don't get upset. If you don't want it, don't eat it. But there's nothing more than that to come. And so, you know, when we share about the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus, sometimes people get offended at that. I don't know why or how, but they do. But it's not you. It's just the message. And what we just got to do is just not take it personally. And when they shake the dust off their feet and their clothes and whatever, it's, um, it's really them saying, I've done what I could in this area. And if there's anything of this area on me, I'll leave it here because you guys have what you need and you can choose what you want. But I'm going to keep going and share this wonderful news with other people. And it says in verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a lovely way to finish because that's really the most important thing that you and I can be filled with. Not jealousy or fear or hatred or anxiety, but be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I think I think that the Holy Spirit brings joy. But yeah, joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's all I've got to say. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for each person here and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their, in their life and I thank you, Lord, for open doors that we have with our neighbours and um, colleagues, friends, family, um, people. I thank you, Lord, that the gospel is for everyone and I thank you, Lord, that it's your heart that everyone believes. You don't want anyone to perish but all to come to eternal life. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to go forward into this week, Lord, into our week that we might be able to um, live for you and honour you with our actions and our words uh, and that we might see people coming to know you. We lift up to you, Lord, the un unsaved people that we know that we might live with or be related to. And we've been praying for them, Lord. We continue to lift them up to you, Father, and we pray that you just have your way in their life. Lord, the gospel, they've heard it. Lord, help them to taste and see that you are good. Lord, we pray that you just help them out to do that. But Lord, help us, God, to just be on, uh, honest with you and with others and, and, and not to take offence, not to, not to feel burdened, but just to do what you've called us to do uh, in, our, in our world, to change our world. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you are to us too. We thank you that you're good to us. We thank you that we have our sins forgiven. Help us, Lord God, to share that wonderful message with people too. Amen. Amen.